episode of The Chat. My name is Alicia. I'm the founder of The Uplift, and we are here today with a really special guest, Tamika Means. She is the founder of Prison Love Mindset, and she coaches people who are in relationships with people that are in prison. So thank you for being with us today. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate it whenever we get together because I love speaking to you. So thank you so much. Likewise, and the viewers love you. You always have so much like wisdom and knowledge that you share with people. And it's just very exciting to always hear because I know there's always a new tidbit of information that people can implement into their lives. Um, this is, I'm just excited to be here with you today. Yes, I'm always open to sharing. So whatever you got for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about, because I don't know if a lot of people do know this about you or not, but that you have a background in fitness competition. I find that really fascinating. It takes a lot of kind of expertise and dedication to do something like fitness competition. So how did you get into that and how does that inform your current work? Well, how did I get into it? So, well, to start, I have always been an athlete in high school. I ran track. That was my favorite sport. I played basketball, soccer. So I was always into something athletic. And then I actually have a bachelor's degree in exercise physiology. I have a master's degree in biomechanics. So like, it's kind of like who I am is ingrained in me. Like everything's like, I love fitness and it's just part of my lifestyle and what makes me me. And for a while, I don't remember how I got introduced into fitness competing, but at some point, maybe maybe before my marriage, I got exposed somehow. When I got married, mm-hmm. it became a like when I when I viewed these women on stage who competed in like bikini figure and bodybuilding, I was like, oh my God, like if I could get to that point in my fitness journey, like that would be that is like the top notch. That is the where I need to be. Like if I get there, like that is the absolute pinnacle of my fitness journey and I kind of thought about it but maybe not too seriously but it wasn't until my husband was incarcerated that I actually started thinking seriously about it and after I got got out of my depressive black hole phase in life like the first year my husband was incarcerated I got to a place where I was like I want to go and conquer all the goals that I said that I want to conquer now, at the time, I was a personal trainer, and I was definitely in better shape than most Americans, by, you know, but from my perspective, I was not at my highest level of fitness. My mentality was not healthy because of what I was going through with my husband's incarceration. So that is kind of what led me to going after that goal of winning a, a figure for a fitness competition. It started with my husband's incarceration that led me to saying, you know what, screw it. I'm not living in this depressive phase. I can't do it no more. My children are looking at me. I got to do better. Let's do it. (laughs) So do you think it was really just having that time to like focus on yourself as far as like being self-aware of like where you were at and taking the steps to like make yourself a better person? Is that what would you, is that what you think would be like the biggest things that got you into that I think what equated to me really getting to that mind state was the fact that my children would be they're they're, they're observing me they're always watching me 
what they were observing at that time frame was someone who was depressed, someone who felt stuck, and someone that wasn't moving forward. And it showed up in life as me as a mother. So it wasn't me having time to think about it. It was more an aha moment that, that occurred for me that led to me going down that path. It wasn't the first thing I decided to do. I actually, the, the very first activity I did, which also was fitness related, was me putting together um, a 12 woman team. It was all minority women. Well, it wasn't all minority women. The goal was to get an all black team together to run this 200 mile relay race called Ragnar Relay. But it ended up being a diverse team. It was so awesome. And I ended up making this happen. It was the most awesome thing. It was just like one thing and it kind of led into the fitness competition. So that's fantastic. So like you, you know, you're building community, like a support network of community to do something really positive for yourself and for others. Um, they got you moving and stemmed you, you know, you started this amazing coaching business, which I, I just think is phenomenal because the information that you give out is stuff that could apply to like any relationship out there. Um, and it's really surrounded like about a set of belief system. And so like, what it, what is it like, I know you, what is it about belief systems that you feel like is really important? So yeah, you're right. It actually did stem into me. I kind of, let's say I stumbled into coaching women with incarcerated spouses, but it kind of just, it rolled into that because it started out more as a support. But what I learned from my process of going from feeling stuck, feeling like my life would not progress unless my husband came home, it started there, but it shifted to, I can do or accomplish anything I want. And it all starts from here. My circumstance does not matter. My circumstance is irrelevant to what I can accomplish. And it started because I started changing my own mindset. I realized that, you know, what I believe about myself is what's going to happen. I realized that my perspective on how I viewed my situation with an incarcerated spouse was going to either take me to a place of not feeling successful or to a place of conquering every single thing I set forth or believe or what I want to accomplish myself. So my journey started simply with looking at YouTube videos online and looking at people like uh, Les Brown, um, Tony Robbins, Mel Robbins. Oh gosh, it's such an extensive list. E.T. Like those are my best friends. <laughs> they just don't know it. They just don't know it. It started there. <laughs> They're going to know now. <laughs> it involves me reading books. And what I realized along my journey was that whenever I set a goal for myself, like not only did I set a goal for myself, I accomplished it and I smashed it. Like I won my first fitness competition and there were days where I literally did five minute workouts. There was never an excuse for me not to do something every single day to reach my goal. You know, I was able to travel internationally and uh, became like the top salesperson the last quarter at my job, selling the most personal training ever in history. Like there were so many things that I accomplished while my husband was gone, while I was at my lowest point of, in life. And just, I was like, wow, it really is all about what I believe about myself. What you believe uh, really dictates the actions you take in life. 
Can I give you an example? What was that? Can I give you an example? Oh, please, yes. So, like, my children. So, education is huge for me. And I started out with the mindset that I can't put my children in a private school because I don't have the money. Right? So, I was like, screw that. I'm changing my mindset on that. I was like, why wouldn't they want to have my children? Why wouldn't private schools want my children? Think about it. We're in Baltimore City. It's kind of one of the worst areas for education, unfortunately. Highest crime areas. Uh, my children have a single mom. They have an incarcerated father. Let's just say hypothetically that they accept my children. My children graduate. They go on to become community leaders. And they make a difference in the world. Look where they started from, right? They should have been a statistic. So I looked at it as a PR dream for the school. So my mindset changed from like, they're not going to get in. I'm not going to have enough money to. We're going to go for this because they're going to want my children. They're going to find a way to bring my children to the school. So that belief led me to taking actions, to applying, to looking for scholarships, to doing all the actions that led them to all of my children. You know, I got my first son in. So everyone that falls after the oldest child is a legacy. Like, I don't have to do anything. So I have changed the entire course of my family by that one thought. That's amazing. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So it sounds like, if I'm hearing you correctly, that you just have a very like opportunity mindset. So you look at something that could, you know, potentially freeze someone out, you know, just like the stress of life or, or challenges. And you look at it as an opportunity. Everything is an opportunity. Everything. (laughs) You're literally one thought away from getting everything you want. But it's just hard breaking out of that. Yeah. And one of the things that I did for myself is like, there's a time frame where I just was not happy. And I would go into the mirror and I would say, I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be happy. And I would keep saying it till I felt it and really meant it, felt that I meant it until I no longer, I just stopped doing it because not only was I saying it, but I now believed it. So it's transitioning from not believing it to believing it. That's what the hard part is. So it's, it's, it's the, the concept of getting from point A to point B is simple. It's the doing that's hard and being consistent with it. That's where most people kind of fall off. So Yeah, yeah, the consistency. Yeah. I love to the, just like envisioning you doing that in the mirror. So I was, when I was a little kid, my mom had these like cutouts of things that she put on the mirror that were like, I'm beautiful and I'm worthy. And I would laugh. I was a kid, but you know, I know it helped me seeing her do that. Cause I would look at her. And when, then when I would look in the mirror, I would just think those things. I didn't even like have to say it. So I think that's a really cool thing. Like you said, I to, love like, it. to do that for your children, like to do that for yourself. So you're doing it for your children. So you're doing it for the, like you said, the generations that come after. So I think that's wonderful. You are totally spot on. The, like the commitment and consistency, I think, is the biggest thing. I think of, we get a lot of questions about that. Like, okay, so you, you're going to change your mindset. Then how do you stay with that? Like how, what are the things that you did that kept you, you know, when it got hard or when you heard no or where you weren't getting where you were that kept you going? <laughs> well, first of all, there's so many things I can say to this. Oh, goodness. The very first thing that you need to do is accept that people are going to say no. You're going to have, you're going to fall on hard times. You're going to hit roadblocks. If you plan on doing something and you cannot accept the fact that things will not be perfect, I 
hate to say it, but you're, you're not going to succeed. So the very first step is you have to accept the fact that it will not be a perfect journey. I like to describe the journey as like being like this. It's going to be up and down. Expect the lows to happen. Once you can, once you believe it and you accept it, then when it hits, you're like, oh, Tamika said it was going to happen. So I'm cool. I already expected it to happen. You see what I mean? So it changes your whole mindset and perspective of when those lows hit because perfection is unattainable. Perfection is, does not exist because you can move into a space where you say, oh, it's perfect. But then you always find something like, oh, that didn't go right. Oh, I wish this could have been better. So it doesn't exist. So, and oh my goodness. What was the other thing you asked? That I guess how you stick with it in those lows. Well, so you, the one them? thing you said is expect them. Don't just expect yeah. that you work hard and then it's just this upward. You said it is more of like a hill kind of okay. low. Okay, I got another one. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Right. <laughs> Short memory. Um, my motto is always, um, I do it no matter how I feel. Okay. I do it no matter how I feel. Feelings are fleeting. You can feel good one day, sad the next. How you feel is irrelevant to you accomplishing your goal. This past month, so me and my husband have a commitment of coming on Instagram Monday nights. And, you know, me and my husband's been home for a little over a year. And we are still working through stuff. And we had one Monday night. I hate to say it, but it's, I mean, I'm transparent. <laughs> we were on the live and we were just like, I was on there crying. And we're trying to help other relationships, other people in their relationships. But we showed up and like, but people appreciate transparency, but we did not want to be there. We did not want to show up because we was like we're beefing tonight but we made this commitment to show up and people were like oh shoot they like this is real like we're not just talking about it like we are going through it and you know sometimes people have a tendency to back off or not show up when things go south but you can't show up and pretend to be perfect because people don't resonate with you and people won't believe that yeah she's going through it you know, especially if you're a coach and it, sh it shows people that, yes, they're still soaring, but they're in a down spot right now, which is, that is real life. That is real life. So that's just one example. That's great advice too. You know? And a great example too. Like, yeah. and I think a lot of people shy away from that because it's like, everyone wants to kind of show their best face at all times. It's not, no, it's not real life. You're watching highlight reels. People are watching highlight reels of people on Facebook and Instagram. Right. Right? It's not true. It's not a true. It's not. You're missing a huge chunk of everything. You're missing, it. you're missing a huge chunk of everyone's life. So if you feel like you're behind in life, if you feel like I should be further along in life, okay, I, I understand that feeling, but you didn't see the 10 years that that person grinded and was told no, and they cried, and they were depressed. And, and, and the door was slammed in their face. You didn't see that part because they didn't want to show it. You didn't see the before picture when somebody was losing weight. You saw how they went from point A to point B after the fact. <laughs> you didn't see them going through it. Yeah, that's true. So people got to realize that. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so you said, like, keep showing up, <laughs> which I think is fantastic. No matter how you feel, I think that's a fantastic yeah. yeah, I think just one accept that the journey is not a linear, it's not linear. The 
journey is not, or I shouldn't say linear, the journey is not all uphill. Mm-hmm. And you need to always continue to show up. And if you don't show up, which is fine, there might be days where you literally can't do it. And and you it's okay, but you don't stop. Pick pick it up and just show back up right where you left off at. Or even if you fell off, start from where you're at. People are more forgiving than you realize. I like we, that. We, get, we get so caught up in what people are gonna think about us. Mm-hmm. It's so caught on they're gonna judge me. You know, I'm coaching someone now who runs a big business and they're afraid if they disclose what's going on with themselves that the community is just gonna be like, she's a fraud. But no, us being transparent and, and showing others that we can still survive, we can still thrive and be successful no matter our circumstance is important. And showing that side lets other people know that they can do it too. So it, it, I think it's important. Definitely yeah, I, important. I agree. Like that's my whole message. You can do it despite your circumstance. So why yeah. would not show up? Yes, no? <laughs> that is important. Um, so I definitely want to. I want to learn. I want to learn more about why prison relationships. So it's like you. you a, a lot of the information you have is just it's applicable across the board. Like anybody could benefit from. Anybody um, could sign up, you know, well, I'm sure you have limited availability, but anybody could sign up for the availability that you do have to get this coaching and it would improve their lives no matter kind of what kind of relationship they were in. So why choose to focus on prison relationships? I don't know anybody else that does this work. I think that it's really interesting. I think it's really phenomenal that you're doing this and that you're taking this undertaking. Um, So what is it that you think is the importance there and 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 tell us more about you know the coaching services okay so to answer your first question i started out years ago just kind of supporting prison wise and then i had the idea i want to create a online course so i started down that path and then uh i ended up hiring a coach and i've I've actually had two different coaches and they both told me the same thing they said your niche is too small but i'm like but I want to coach prison wives. <laughs> and my my heart, that's where my heart was. So then I'm like, okay, I'll work with moms in general. But I got lost. And it just was, I, I was no longer speaking from my heart because it is naturally in me. I can motivate anyone in the world. Like, like you said, you said it. My message can resonate with anybody. Like this, could, this message can apply to anybody, you know. But... I can speak to women with incarcerated spouses because I've lived that life and I know what it feels like. So when I talk about it, like if, if you are in the same situation, I know you know what I'm talking about. I know you know what that feels like. So at one point, someone encouraged me. I got, you know, I talked to somebody different and they said, no, your niche is not too small. And it gave me the power and empowerment to be like, you know what? Screw what everyone else said. I'm going with what I believe because everyone's like, you can't make a living off of this. It's like, this is my passion, but I also need to make a living off of it. So, you know, I can't go broke. So I have to be able to do both at the same time. And you said that, like, you've never seen anybody do this. And that's the key thing. Like, you're right, Alicia. No one is doing this, which is why it is so important. Think about how many people in America alone are incarcerated. The last statistics I checked, one in 24 
children has an incarcerated parent. Like, I could go across the street and find somebody who knows somebody who's in jail right now. Right. So could you. Yeah. But we, our, our, our government policies put people in prison, unfortunately, in our history. That is American history. But it is considered, I don't know if you want to use the word taboos, whatever word you want to use to have been in a prison relationship. It is accepted and known that we have a history of putting people in prison, but yet we can't have public conversations about putting about prison relationships. There's zero education out there currently on how do we survive on how do we survive in a relationship where one person gets locked up? It doesn't exist. But yet there's so many families being affected by it. Right. Doesn't make sense. So I recognize through my own personal experience and through statistics that this is needed. So through my coaching, what I'm doing is one, teaching women how to maintain a sense of self and also how to thrive and live their highest quality of life while their spouse is incarcerated, but also teaching them how do they continue to have a healthy relationship. And there's so many different avenues to this because you have some women who were married prior to them going in, prior to their partner getting incarcerated. You have some women who met while incarcerated. You have some women who knew their partner and reconnected while incarcerated. Like there's so many different avenues. But with the similar, I'll say symptoms or, or things that happen is we get into a place where we feel stuck. We get judged. We feel like there's a stigma on us. We feel like we can't talk publicly about our relationship. It doesn't matter how you met or how the relationship started. It's all the same. You know, I went through a phase where I felt kind of depressed. You know, there are other women who feel that same pain. This same pain is felt by maybe uh, someone now it's different. I don't compare myself to a widow who's lost their spouse to uh, death, but there are certain similarities that go around with someone who has an incarcerated spouse, someone who's had somebody die, somebody who has a military spouse who's deployed. I would, and I feel like it would be like in some ways more isolating, like you said, because of the stigma. So it's like if your spouse dies, I mean, you can openly say that and 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 talk about that and and you know, if people are kind people, they'll give you sympathy and empathy and the things you need and the support you need and the time off. But I would presume that those support infrastructures aren't necessarily the same if you go and say, well, my husband, my partner is incarcerated. Exactly. There may not be that same response. That is the difference between, we were all grieving. We yeah. have, you know, the, it, it, it started from something different, but the stigma is what, like I, if, if my husband was away, I could speak openly about it. They'd be like, thank you for your service, right? I cannot, we're hiding. There are people who are, in, who are hiding right now because of the stigma, because it can't be talked about publicly. So, which is why I'm going to sing and talk, about that. <laughs> and talk about it because it needs to become a public conversation. It needs to be mainstream. So I'm going to continue pushing through, make, Prison relationship education, something that becomes mainstream and something that's talked about because it's not because we are judged. We are whatever negative, negative thought process you've heard. That is what we're feeling. But we have to break through that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's incredibly important. I mean, like you had mentioned, I mean, 
the United States incarcerates more people than any other country. Mm -hmm. So that's more people, spouses, partners, you know, mm -hmm. kids that are being impacted, the whole family unit and the community. And I agree. I mean, in order to really support people, we have to support everybody that's impacted um, by that. So I think this is wonderful. Um, Every time that I open my mouth and talk about it, someone says, oh, my son is incarcerated. My, you know, my father was incarcerated. So I'm not even surprised anymore. It's just that they have nobody to talk to about it because they're scared. They're going to be judged. Same way I felt about my children. If I disclose to my children's school that their father was incarcerated, they may get bullied. The teachers may treat them differently. But I had to, I had to step out of that limiting belief because it meant my children getting a better education or them possibly walking down the wrong path. So education for me was something that was going to help my family excel. So I had to break out of that mindset. And hopefully I can teach other people to do that as well. I think, it, yeah, I think it's it's wonderful. It's it's very important. Um, you know, I mean, as a kid, I, I was not told the truth about my father being incarcerated. And so when I was told as like a preteen, it was very jarring. And like you said, it, there was a lot of stigma. There wasn't, I couldn't really talk to people. I tried to talk to my friends. They were like, eh, you know, and so it, it just wasn't a, it wasn't a good situation to be in. And like, I think like you said, being honest and, and being able to say like, this is the real, this is what's really going on. Um, and removing that stigma and providing those like that support services, those coaching um, and materials that people can access and read and learn. Um, that, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. From the parent perspective, and then you have the child perspective, but yeah. from my perspective, I did the same thing with my children. I was scared to tell them because I thought, if I told them that it would lead them down the same path. And it wasn't until I went to a conference by Dr. Bathia Muhammad. I always, hopefully I said her first name correctly. It was a conference filled with children of the incarcerated and they were all grown up and there were so many success stories. It gave me the confidence to be open and honest with my children. So just to kind of get, say that to you as, probably your parents may have felt the same way yeah no I mean that's good and, and thank you and to everyone else out there that has you know family members incarcerated or or parents you know that have kids that don't know what to do because I think most parents most mothers do absolutely the best that they can and are trying to shield people but like you said if there's stigma around being incarcerated you the belief systems that you've talked about people will think well I don't, you know, I don't, if I tell my kid this thing, then something horrible will happen to them and they won't be successful. And, you know, parents want to shelter their kids from anything that could cause them harm. So um, that's beautiful that you were able to go to a conference and see like, oh, people are successful and just, you know, and, and, and we can shift this conversation into something that's like holistic, right? And not about stigma anymore. Yeah, and I think it's important to Alicia. Whenever I go to different conferences, I find that there's very little people like this. There's many women and men who are affected by incarceration, family members that are left behind. And I don't know if it's just that the information is not getting out there, but I am. I'm searching for information. I'm searching for education, 
And there are very little people who take advantage of what's being offered. And I, I wish that more people would uh, take it upon themselves to look and be proactive about looking for things that are going to benefit them and their children, their family, because it's, it's helped me so much. So I want to encourage anyone who's in a similar situation, well, it doesn't matter who you are, whatever your situation is, be proactive. Uh, look for services. Google it. You know, go on Instagram, Facebook. Look for things that are going to benefit you. If you don't have the money to pay for it, that is not a limit. And not having the money to pay for something is not a good excuse. Because let me tell you why. Because if you did not reach out to the to the owner of the service or the person who's putting on the program and say, hey, I'm in a situation. If you didn't at least try to say, I don't have the money, but I really want to attend because it's going to be beneficial, then you didn't put forth a good effort. Don't let any circumstance stop you from getting what you need to be better. Because there are people out there who want to help you. Give them the opportunity to help you. Let them say no. <laughs> Don't assume they're going to say no. So do your deal, due diligence and, and put a greater effort into getting what it is you need. Look for it. Because it's not going to show up on your doorstep. That is a huge, that is a big key. Um, I appreciate you dropping that bit of knowledge. Absolutely. Um, you know, to continue to just ask, right? And you have to ask. Yes. Not look at something and say that's a barrier I can't I can't get access to that um mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a huge big key so any other notes I know we're like getting close to time even though I could literally talk to you forever I, I love <laughs> talking to you <laughs> I love the things you have to say the person that you are um I love what you're doing you know found founder of prison love mindset um it's just thank you for being with us today I don't know if there's any last words that you have before we close out I would just say you know gosh there's so much that I could say but yeah. just keep hope and faith alive whatever you're going through it's not the end of the world I promise it's just a season it's only a season recognize that you have a responsibility and the power to make it through whatever it is you're going through if you are putting your future in somebody else's hands by blaming somebody else or saying my life is this way because of that meaning something external you're going to be stuck so I need you to internalize things and say, what can I do to move myself forward? Don't get caught up in watching other people because you can't move as fast as them or you can't make as great as, as an impact as them. Move in small, tiny steps. Every teeny, tiny, barely moving step that you take is moving you closer to where you want to be. I don't care if you move a half a step, a, sh a shuffle. That shuffle is a half a shuffle past where you started. 20 half a shuffles is better than no shuffles at all. <laughs> and I say shuffle because that's where you have to start. Sometimes it's not even a step. It's just, I'm going to get out of bed without hitting the snooze button three times. You know, that's an accomplishment. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> start there. Um, Thank you so much, uh, Tamika. It's always wonderful to talk to you. I really appreciate your time today.
Thank you. I appreciate it because you're doing awesome things there. I mean, awesome things with the uplift. So thank you. Thank you. It goes back and forth. I appreciate you. So thank you for the opportunity and coming on to your platform and speaking. So thank you. <laughs>